Hey, it's Natasha. And Khalil. And we are the co-hosts of Woke and Free. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to our 31st episode of Woke and Free. If you've been tuning in every week for Woke and Free Wednesdays, you know that Woke and Free is all about being real and honest with each other and you. We talk about everything and anything that's important to us, to you, and the world, and nothing is off the table. Now in this episode, we're really excited to be talking about job hunting and recruiting realities with our special guest, Amy Goldstein, the founder of Grace and Allen. But before we dive deep into this subject, we have a couple of ground rules to cover. You know the deal, guys. First, have you subscribed to Woken Free on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iHeartRadio? If so, if not, please do subscribe. We greatly appreciate your love and support for our show. Second, have you shared an episode with a friend or a family member? If not, feel free to share this episode. And of course, sharing is caring for all our past episodes. And then lastly, have you hollered at us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Woken Free? If not, come on now, let's talk. Each week, we like to share a little bit about us before we dive into the topic for the episode. Last week, we shared what was our favorite t-shirt. This week, since the season's been changing, we're sharing, actually, what our favorite seasons are, or is. <laughs> yeah, you know, this isn't actually an easy and a hard question for me, so... First of all, I would say my go-to answer is fall, my the season, the fall season, because I'm a proud September Virgo baby, but I am a Jamaican American who believes that I should actually only live in 86 degree weather uh, because I really don't like anything cold. 86? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. I guess my favorite season would be fall because I'm born in the fall, but my heart and my soul and spirit live in the summer. But how about you? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of torn too. I, th- I think I like fall a lot, but... I'm gonna have to go with summer. That's my birthday month, so uh, you know, it's it's at right at the end of summer. So I True. think I'm gonna have to go with my favorite season being during my birthday. It Woo-hoo. just reminds me it's another year of growth and excellent things to come. So exactly. that, that's what I like about the summer season. It's exactly. a constant reminder of what's to come. Very prophetic, sir. So with that, I think we first need to introduce our guest before we get into the conversation with her. So who is Amy Goldstein? She is the founder of Grace and Allen, a boutique search firm that specializes in attorney placement and career consulting. She brings more than 20 years of combined legal and recruiting experience to her role as a search and career consultant. Before transitioning to legal recruiting, she was a litigator with a New Jersey-based law firm. She's a graduate of Rutgers College and Tulane Law School. Amy's mission is to help lawyers acquire the skills and knowledge they need to navigate the job market, broaden their employment options, and increase their chances of a happy, fulfilling work, life, and career. And uh, as one with my own personal career and recruiting experiences, uh, I definitely am really excited to, to have this conversation with her. On our show, we like to start with a personal share every week. This week, the personal share was going to be... What's your favorite season? My favorite season is spring. Spring? I love I love when it starts to warm up and you have that early experience after not having the warmth of the sun and the 
strains of the sun and I love as things start to bloom and everything turns green and just that sense of renewal and uh, feeling refreshed and all that good stuff that comes as we transition into uh, what I consider the season that people get a little happier. Nice. Very nice. All right, Amy, that is phenomenal. Okay. So what we will do, uh, since, you know, you are joining Woken Free and you're sharing uh, your journey as a recruiter, I, my first question would be actually, you know, how did you become a recruiter? What's your recruiting journey? Thank you for having me on. I love telling my story because it is a story of transition. I fell into recruiting. I was a practicing lawyer outside of Philadelphia in South Jersey, but had grown up in the New York area and always wanted to be in New York and um, had the idea to interview for jobs that I didn't think I was going for. I was happy being a lawyer. I had planned to interview for lawyer jobs, but I wanted some interview practice because it had been six years or so. And the first interview I was offered happened to be with a legal recruiter. And by the end of that interview, they were expressing interest in me and I started to look into recruiting, which was something at the firm I was at. I, people weren't recruiting me. It was an off-the-radar small firm. And so I needed to do my research, talk to people who uh, had worked with recruiters. My brother was at a large law firm and was familiar with the process. And really, it was about getting to New York. So even though I had not intended to leave the practice of law, um, it was a means to an end, and now we're, you know, almost 20 years later, and very happy that I made the transition, and here I am today. Wonderful. Okay, then why, why do you think people should work with recruiters? I think people should work with recruiters because you don't know what you don't know, right? Whatever your profession is, I tend to give lawyer examples since that is where a lot of my experience comes. Whether you're a litigator and used to being in the courtroom or you draft the documents for uh, transactions, you know your area of expertise. And it, again, this really does apply to any field where recruiters can be involved. They understand the market. They understand what you need to do to uh, to position yourself and also consider things that you are just not thinking about, again, because that is not your area of expertise. The same way you would go to uh, a specialist for whether it's medical or even things around the house, the electrician or whatever it is, you turn to people who know more than you do for so many of your needs, I feel that the job search really can be treated the same way and you should turn to people who live it day in and day out. Absolutely. Okay. Which uh, leads me to my next or uh, next question that we have, which is, you know, for me personally, uh, like yourself, I had a very non uh, I have had non traditional legal experience, and uh, I, uh, as a recruiter, have always found it uh, very interesting when 
to see how people treated recruiters in the sense of, uh, I feel like maybe because they feel like they're not talking to the client themselves that would be potentially hiring them, that they sometimes can be a bit rude or a bit uh, abrasive, especially <laughs> when talking about legal yeah. recruit, <laughs> recruitment environments, very uh, not cuddly and uh, not for the faint of heart. Uh, what do you think people need to remember when working with recruiters, whether it's legal recruiters or other types of uh, recruiters? I think, first of all, you never know. The world is small, right? So you never know how things will come back around. Whether it, whether it is that you hang up on the recruiter because you are not looking for a job at the time, but we have been through dramatic changes with the market, and you don't know when you might need that person's help. I have mm -hmm. had people call me years after they were less than polite. Mm. And and I do remember that. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to take the call, but you don't know what the future holds. You also don't know who people know. And so you are hanging up on the recruiter because you are dismissing them and not giving um the credit that they deserve, but also, again, recruiters are very well connected. And mm -hmm. um, between that piece and the you never know when you will need a recruiter, I've known general counsels at wonderful companies that, you know, you never thought you would see them closing the doors and or moving locations to a location that you can't move to, a lot of things happen. And mm -hmm. um, you're silly to to cut off resources without checking them out. You, you might not know, you might not uh, always be approached by reputable recruiters. That is an important thing, I think, to mention that you should certainly vet the people who are reaching out to you if they're not names that you know, but the dismissive rudeness that you were referring to, I, mm -hmm. it always fascinates me because it's it's just incredibly short-sighted. And I always encourage everyone to be open-minded and considering the long-term. And, and that means having the conversations, even if you think, if you don't know how they're going to serve your purpose, you you may learn years down the road. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What are the biggest lessons you've learned as a recruiter? Lessons for people who are in the job search? Um, maybe like just as the professional recruiter. experience learned, right? Like from, from as a person, maybe helping people get jobs as well as the process of getting a job. Like what has been the biggest lessons learned in, as a whole? I would say biggest lessons are that there are no shortcuts mm. and you have to be patient. You have to put the time and the work in. And I, sometimes you get lucky, but a lot of times it is a lot of elbow grease. And that goes for me as the recruiter, that goes for every candidate. It goes for the clients. There, there are no 
shortcuts in this stuff. Everyone has to do their homework. And if you do your homework well, the results are terrific. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the cutting corners comes back to, to haunt all of us, whatever role it is. Mm, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Now, uh, I'd love to for us to shift the gear, the conversation to uh, from now from the candidate side, right? Like them looking for jobs, all of that. So I guess that first question out of that gate would be, uh, what would you say are like the biggest challenges people are currently facing uh, when it comes to making a job transition and, and trying to make sure they get the job that they want? So the list for that can be long, right? The first thing is <laughs> life can get life can get in the way. We all are stretched very thin. There is always an excuse not to focus on the job search. Just going back to the the time and the the effort that goes into it, there is a lot of competition out there, and you have to be strategic and thoughtful and um, you have the stamina to keep going and, and not be discouraged when there are a lot of reasons to focus on other things, whether it's frustration or just like I said, you may really want to make a move, but you have so many things pulling you in other directions. And it is so important to do uh, a search mindfully. You need to be honest about what is truly important and um, what you are good at and how you can get to your goals. There are so many things that just require us to be thoughtful. And I, I think that probably would be the biggest challenge as I'm talking about all of this stuff and jumping around a little bit is just um, mm -hmm. remaining focused, I think, is is a huge thing. And so many people don't like to be out there, so to speak, right? The, the mm -hmm. idea of networking, I think there is such a negative connotation. And sure, we'll talk a little bit more about that by itself. But there are ways to do it where it doesn't have to be distasteful. You're not with your hand out asking for something. If you're doing it right, you're developing a relationship with someone and mm -hmm. those are the people who just organically end up helping each other as you um, move along and move through life and the process and, and all of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I love that you mentioned that because actually I do outside of Woken Free um, in my own business, I do a lot of talks and workshops and content around the idea of being a creative networker and uh, how networking pretty much is a lifesaver. I mean, I like to say that your net worth is your network. So, I mean, before we go on to other things, if you have certain tips that you want to share as to like, why is networking important and then how to make it work for you, we'd love to hear. Sure. So why is networking important? It is the leg up. If we want to just be cold and calculating about it, it is the leg up that will get you the job more often than not. Yes, mm -hmm. I have had seen people just have their resume pulled from the pile and get the job with no connection, no advocate. 
but especially with so many positions online now and no way to get information about how to distinguish yourself from the pile, not only are you competing with people who are talented just as you may be for a job, you are also competing with people who are not talented at all but are still submitting. And so mm -hmm. part of it is just managing to be seen through the pile of paper and you could be missed. I know there are the buzzwords and all the things that are supposed to be um, flagged by the computers. They don't work all the time. I've seen people through their network end up getting to the same person that was supposed to be screening the resumes and their resume doesn't get picked up. So to the extent you can develop a network of people who will e even just make sure that your resume is seen. I mean, having someone who can put it in a good word for you is a whole other level, but just the recognition of the piece of paper that you're submitting, I feel is, is really half the battle. Um, and I think people don't realize how broad their networks actually are, right? Our mm -hmm. memories are short and we focus on the here and now and maybe we go a little bit back, but there's college, there's graduate school, there's people you met at conferences, there are people that you meet if you um, live in a community, whether it's you have children in school or you're involved in your church or your synagogue, there are so many avenues to meet people and they you never know where that connection is going to come. I am always fascinated. The people that I fully expect to help me land some work are not always the people who do. And then someone that I've worked with five years ago tangentially ends up being the person who connects me with someone um, who ends up providing me with a tremendous amount of work or a great resource or whatever it is. And I just think you have to constantly be having these conversations in order to really maximize your opportunities. And that means coffees and that means lunches and that means attending events and showing up at all of the things that other people are at. That's really the bottom line. I love it. Okay. What are the key ways that people can ace an interview? Preparation. Mm. You have to know your resume because anything that anything that is on your resume is fair game. So people are constantly adding, 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 as opposed to looking at streamlining some of the older information sometimes. It is so important to recognize that you don't know what's going to um, pique someone's interest and you have to be prepared to talk about it. I think you have to be prepared um, to understand the job description. They are not always well written and so it is important to give thought to what they are really getting at. And that might involve another thing that's so important is having questions lined up and mm -hmm. being able to 
show that you did your research on the company and understand all the information might not be there, but you have that foundation to jump off from and ask the questions that are so important to showing that you have a genuine interest. Um, mm. Some other things that I think are super important in interviews is it is about being forward-looking. Even if you are in a horrible situation where you are, you minimize the conversation about that. You don't want Somebody doesn't want you to join them because you're miserable where you are, even if you are. <laughs> they want you to want them, right? So mm -hmm. you have to show the love. I always tell people um, mm -hmm. everyone wants to be loved and, and be wanted for who they are. So having talking points about what about a particular company, opportunity, whatever it is, um, is so important. And then presentation, which I know Natasha is you speak about um, mm -hmm, is, is mm -hmm. so important, presenting well and recognizing if the company is conservative or is, you know, going to be wearing jeans instead of a suit. I do feel like you can always dress better than, um, you know, if, if it's a casual environment, you can't go wrong, but at the same time, you need to show that you are in tune with understanding who the company is and what they are looking for in terms of a fit and, and making sure you're taking that into, um, into account as well. Mm -hmm. So I actually, based on what you're just saying, I had a, a follow-up question to that, which is when it comes to the art of storytelling, which is what you were referring to, I definitely think that that is uh, super important because uh, like you mentioned earlier with networking, uh, for me personally, every job, every opportunity I've had, being able to start a business all came from my network. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, what I had listed on my resume. So uh, what tips do you have for people being able to be able to be better, essentially storytellers, like presenting themselves in a way that makes their audience want to know more about them, want to hire them, want to bring them in for that next interview? I think it takes a lot of practice. I think it's mm -hmm. not something people aren't always comfortable speaking about themselves and mm -hmm. I know I, I still feel that way I have these conversations with people all the time and I always feel like my elevator speech when people ask me what I do I'm forever thinking about ways to fine-tune it I think we are all works in progress and I mm -hmm. think we need to tell the stories to our family to our friends be Practicing when you meet people who maybe, of course, you never know who will <laughs> end up being someone that will be a good resource or part of your network, but you should always be engaging in the conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the best way to, um, to present well is to be practicing it. But I also think you need to think about your story and what you want people to come away with in terms mm -hmm. of who that who you are as a person and what you're bringing to the table you have to be mindful about the the story that you're that you're telling and and think about what the perception is you want to be positive and upbeat and that can happen even if part of your story is not happy 
everyone has baggage, everything has been, everyone has been through uh, challenges, and you just have to give thought to how to not minimize, but tell it in a way where that is not the focus. It's the upside, I think, that you mm -hmm. want to make sure you're always coming away with. And again, I go back to it just, it takes work. Absolutely. And just to add to that, I would just uh, recently I was talking on on this subject and I would say writing a bio really helps, right? Because it makes you put your resume in a narrative format. And that's a good way for you to think about, like you were saying, how do I tell who I am in a way that's relevant to who I'm speaking to? It's all about the who, what, when, where, why, right? Like, who are you? What do you do? Uh, where are you from? Why do you do what you do? Why should the person be interested in knowing you? Right. And I think that for people, I think they think, oh, bio, like actor or, you know, some fancy person. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a bio. Everyone has a story. And it's really up to you to craft that story and make it as uh, intriguing and as relatable as possible. I agree 100 percent. That gives you an opportunity to create the hook. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we're used to reading other people's things. And so you can, once you're writing it down, you can hopefully be at least a little bit objective about, well, is this really compelling the way I look at other things as being compelling? And the fact that you mentioned writing things down, I'm a huge advocate of that in so many aspects of a job search because we all have things swimming around in our heads and there's no organization to it and we dwell on it and then we forget about it and what's important and just uh, pen to paper I feel gets tremendous feedback from people who go through the exercise. The bio is just one of them. I'd like to jump back to the tips that you were giving on interviewing. So one thing mm -hmm. that comes up uh, sometimes between friends is how you should dress on the interview. And I know you were saying you should sort of, you should be professional, but what about uh, the sort of job like that you're interviewing for if it's a startup and it's a very casual culture would it still be right to kind of wear a suit on that interview or should you dress as everyone else does what are your thoughts on that so i i don't know that i would go with a suit if everyone's going to be in jeans but for women i feel like a dress as opposed to a, a jacket can can work and can smooth things out a little bit as far as looking like you're, you're blending a little bit more. And there's such a range of dresses. I think it really is about looking polished. And so for men, I would say maybe you wear a sports jacket instead of a suit. And if everyone's going to be in jeans, maybe you don't wear a tie. I mean, I think you still step it up. And I feel like you can, uh, you stay away from the suit. You don't err by dressing a little bit more formally. It is an okay. interview. And I think you do run a risk, even if it's a jeans wearing place. There are limited exceptions, but I, I hate to make that the rule because even when other people are wearing jeans, it, it's, it's tough to say you should wear jeans unless you know for sure. That's, that's my feeling. Okay. All right. Do you have uh, tips on dealing with rejection in the job hunting experience? Yes. So it, it's not easy. It's, it, it's never easy for me to 
give that news. I know it's never easy to receive it. It's a fact of life. You're going to apply to way more jobs than you're going to get. And I think perspective is, is very important. I think the stage certainly uh, of the process that you, you are is something to take into account. If your resume is rejected, obviously it's a different process. It's different to process that as opposed to uh, if you've been through three rounds and you were hoping to get the job and uh, you, you end up losing out to the competing candidate or something like that. I think it's a great opportunity to look at is there something you could do better next time if there was something about your uh, presentation or was there experience lacking for that dream job that you really need to go out and develop further in order to be the front candidate for a certain type of position. Then there are other times it might not have anything to do with you. You can have all of the skills and there is a, a fit that sometimes from a personality standpoint is, is not, it's intangible. And so I, I think you need to keep it in perspective, like I said, and um, not be too hard on yourself. We definitely all can learn things from any negative experience and whatever you pull from that, you do. But again, um, sometimes it's just there was someone else who was a better fit. And I think the best thing you do is you do your analysis and then you move on. You certainly don't let that stop you. You take away from it what you can and, and then look forward. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would just add to that as well that like, uh, you know, because I was talking, I was having a conversation and someone was like, in the networking context, what if you speak with someone and then they like reject you in the sense that, that you know, they make it obvious that they're not interested in talking to you anymore. Uh, similarly, for when you apply for a job, just because you get one no, right, doesn't mean that next application you have in is also going to be a no. So just like having a clear mindset, right, right? that like keeping everything mm -hmm. in its individual pockets is is important because then you start to affect the type of experience you're having because if you get one rejection you're like oh well if they don't want me no one else is going to want me then quite possibly that might be the case right so just think about every employer is different every situation is different and also um understanding like sometimes it's not even about always like you're saying about like being a good fit sometimes it's just like it's kind of like maybe they decided to hire internally and they don't want to they don't want to bring in someone new right they just want to promote someone right so there's certain circumstances that where like life is funny and it'll just happen yeah. and you just have to kind of yeah like roll with the punches and uh from you Kalu, you do something kind of interesting too uh do you have any thoughts on you know, with your job hunting experience and things that have made like dealing with rejection or dealing with it better? Um, well, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that just cause you get one, no, mm -hmm. doesn't mean you'll never get a yes. So, mm -hmm. or even if you get 10 no's there, it's all, all that counts is the end goal of getting that one. Yes. yes so yeah. I don't focus on, on not like missing out on a job opportunity. Mm -hmm. Cause I know that there's something else further along down the path it's gonna mm -hmm. it's gonna happen sometimes so it might not be this job right, but the next job 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's all that's all that's all you need. It doesn't matter how many times you reject it. So true. And just the other thing while we're mm-hmm. talking about that, I think that's a great point. It doesn't matter how many times you're rejected. There's also the the non-rejection, right? I can't tell mm-hmm. you how many how many people go through the process and and don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes all the way to everyone is on board. Everyone thinks we should hire the person, and then they never hire. Mm-hmm. And you don't get anything about that. And that is also very hard to deal with. But, again, you don't want it to be a situation where you let that affect you. You have to just move on. It is their issue, not yours. Mm-hmm. And uh, similar, Natasha, the point you made about when you're networking and someone mm-hmm. blows you off, it is easy to take it personally. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe sometimes it is about you, but you can't do anything about that. You can't control other people. Also, just wanted to circle back on it because you never know what's going on with that person. Exactly. I have been in situations where I felt like I was getting blown off and then the person ended up circling back around or I thought, you know what, that person was so short with me, but I don't know what was happening that day and I'm going to give it one more chance. Mm -hmm. And and they end up apologizing and this is what was happening. And you just, you shouldn't guess is Mm -hmm. another part of it. You should just, some of them will work out, some of them won't, but it, it's not always about you being rejected as much as that there is something going on that you don't know. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. you should not worry about those things. And again, it's all about just moving forward. To clear the point. It's just, you just need the one. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess now, um, you know, you've given so many um, really great tips. You've dropped lots of gems for everyone listening. So I guess uh, if people are interested in maybe speaking with you, maybe one on one, learning a little bit more about, you know, ways that you potentially could help them collaborate with them. What is the best way for people to be able to get in touch with you? So either by email or by phone, um, my phone number is 212-867-8998. And my email is agoldstein at grayson-allen.com. And I'm always happy to answer preliminary questions and uh, see if I can help put people on the, the right path with all of this stuff. I like to say I'm pulling back the curtain on the process, right? And sharing mm-hmm. all of this so people can can feel comfortable. And yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We, uh, we really appreciate it. I know, uh, you know, I always love talking about recruiting because I've, once I got into the world, I always found it very fascinating because uh, <laughs> it's like its own little <laughs> career world in and of itself. And I think that to be honest, okay. people don't respect recruiters enough. I think people, uh, I think re- recruiters get a hard rap and sometimes recruiting agencies have to take, you know, the brunt of like bad behavior from the clients, right? If the law firm or the client company is not acting right, the recruiter is usually the bearer of bad news, right? And so 
right. it's kind of a tough spot to be in, right? And so I wanted to, I wanted us to be able to bring some light to the conversation here on Woken Free because it's a, it's a conversation people need to have and understand, you know, the value of working with a recruiter, the value of understanding what's happening, and uh, and then just tips, right, on just how to how to be better at this whole career thing that we all do, and uh, so that we can pay our light bills. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> let's nice talk about have. the bottom line, 100. Right, yeah. percent it's, it's nice to have heat, man. It's it's good stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have heat. Well said. Well said. Well, I, thank you both for having for having me on. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I feel like there's there's so much to it that people just don't even realize. So yeah, getting definitely. some of the word out there, and then also just for without giving a reading list mm-hmm. to the extent people have uh, an interest in any of these related topics, Inc. Magazine, Fortune, Fast Company, they mm-hmm. all have very good writers where if you Google something that you're looking for in terms of topic, there certainly will be other things that come up. But I do find that these three pretty consistently have some some good writing where you can find without needing to read a whole book some good pointers about whether it's interviewing or presentation or whatever it is. I, I think they're they're very good resources for people to keep in mind as well. Absolutely, and I would also add in the Muse. I've had an article on uh, on uh, on Fast Company, but yes, I uh, I contribute to the Muse, and uh, they do some really great career oriented sure. content. And you can also actually submit questions for free and get answered by people like me. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's always a always a really good resource to have. But thank you so much. Yes, thank, Amy. You, <laughs> thank you both as well. Talk to you soon. We are at this time again. Uh, oh my gosh, can you believe it? The end of our 31st episode of Woke, Woke and Free. Killing cats. Killing cats left and right, guys. Um, Maybe next time. <laughs> Next time we'll do better. Uh, always striving for more. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, with that, uh, if you've been if you've been listening, you know that this episode was all about job hunting and recruiting realities with our special guest, Amy Goldstein, the founder of Grace and Allen. Now, as per usual, I always ask the question: Will I leave you hanging for what our next episode is going to all be all about? Drum roll, please. On our next episode, we will be talking all about the book Creator Hate by Dan Norris. Make sure you follow us on social media to follow along in the conversation. And make sure you tune in next week for Woken Free Wednesday to join the conversation at WokenFree.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, which you know you do, make sure you submit a topic for an upcoming episode. And also feel free to share how you feel about any of the episodes we've covered so far on our Contact Us page at WokenFree.com. And I can't say it enough, we're super, super active on social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WokenFree. If you didn't already subscribe, please do share the episode, maybe comment on the episode, And make sure you come back to join the conversation every Wednesday for Woken Free Wednesdays. Until next time.